This is the Ordained Educator Podcast, and I'm your host, Bridget Jackson. For almost three decades, I have lived and loved doing one of the greatest passions on earth, educating. I'm an ordained educator. If you're listening to this podcast, you were destined to do what you're doing too. You were ordained to impact others. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome back, ordained educators for a wonderful episode. We're joined today in an interview session with educator Crystal Hexall Wrights. She is a special education teacher in Virginia and oh, is she a joy. Very charismatic and a beautiful spirit. As we honor teachers remotely this week all across the country during Teacher Appreciation Week, we wanna spotlight the why of education. Why do educators go into the field? We also discuss the power of parenting right now and we honor parents for being on the front line for being the first teachers that a child has crystal shows some appreciation for those parents and tells some insights as a teacher and a parent of four boys and her youngest she tells about how we can inspire our children to have desire for literacy she also tells our students to persevere and to believe in themselves because everything starts with you loving yourself from within and most of all we are a village so listen in as we interview Crystal Hexall Rice. All right, listeners, we have on the line with us today, Crystal Hexall Rice. She's an educator and she's going to tell us a little bit of her background. We're so happy to have her on with us today. Hey, Crystal, how you doing? Hey, how are you, Bridget? I'm good. Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, well, um, first off, I am a mother of four boys. Um, I reside in the city of Suffolk, Virginia. I am an educator in the city of Portsmouth, Virginia. I was educated in Norfolk Public Schools. I attended Old Dominion University where I received a Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice and a paralegal certificate. And back then when I was in college, I was going to be a lawyer, and it was nothing that you could tell me any different about that. But you see where I am now. I am a special education teacher, currently teaching fifth grade, but I have taught grades K, one, three, four, five, and six throughout my career. In 2011, I received a master's of teaching special ed from Liberty University. All right. So you have a nice variety of experiences, life experiences. You know, it's amazing how we you know we think as youngsters that we know what we're going to do and then our course kind of changes. And, and that's kind of what, uh, Crystal, that's what our podcast is all about. You know, inspiring educators to want to be in this field, to enjoy and love what they do. And it's amazing yeah. because we are ordained to do this. This is our destiny. You know, when we really look yeah. at it and everything, and I had to laugh, you said about being a lawyer, I just knew I was going to be a doctor. If you go back to my <laughs> high school book, my scrapbook, I have a picture of me in a white coat with a stethoscope on me and I have on there doctor. And I laugh to this day because I'm like, yep, I'm a doctor. Uh, I was a doctor in the classroom, a doctor in the office. Yeah, totally changed. But you know, we still get to be that. 
So I know even in your occupation right now, you still get to be a lawyer. We have to litigate stuff for children all the time. And especially in special education, you know, you get a chance to advocate. You know, I was just saying that, you know, laughing as we've changed our, our courses and changing everything. But seriously, in education, you actually get to advocate for children. Yes, so talk to us a little bit about that. How does that make you feel to be able to advocate on the behalf of sometimes people that don't have a voice? It's very important to me, being that I came from humble beginnings myself. I know how important it is to have someone that is on your side working for your best interest. I enjoy teaching children. I enjoy teaching the special education population because so often they are overlooked and they are just as smart as any regular ed student out there is. I've seen so many great things throughout the years, students making progress, students graduating, all of those things. So that's what makes it special to me. Isn't it? Isn't it really special? And I, I, at one point, I was at the point where I didn't like calling it special education because I felt like, you know, it was kind of like a condescending term. And yes. now as I look at it years later and stuff, I look at it and say, you know, no, they're very, very special, you know, and they need to know how special they are. And then yes. again, have people that are going to speak on their behalf, have people that are going to advocate for them to make sure that they get all of the necessary things that, that they need to have. Yes, so ma'am. I wanted to ask you that. Can you share one of those uh, wonderful moments? And before you share, I'm, I'm going to share one of, of mine. I have been a, for the people that are listening that might be new to the broadcast, uh, I have been in education for almost 30 years. I was a teacher for 10. I actually substitute taught for two years prior to becoming a teacher. And then I was a principal for 16 years. I've had lots of experience working with children of all manners. But one of my most special moments I had was was a student who was autistic in socialization skills and everything was not there. And he definitely was not one that liked a lot of communication and could not do touching and everything. But as the school year was wrapping up, his mom actually worked in the district with me and the school year was wrapping up and everything. And he walked up gave me a hug and I was like, oh my God. Now he's now a grown man and it's so funny, you know, to see him now with his beard. And I mean, he's just an amazing, amazing young man. That just made my day. And every time I talk to his mom or whatever, I go back to that moment. Like when that shell broke, children know when you love them. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, they really know when you love them. And throughout the years, what kind of sticks with me, some of the things that I have gone through with parents is I like when they say, when the children are doing their homework or they're trying to teach them how to do something. And they're like, oh no, my teacher said, so, you know, the teacher yes. knows everything. The teacher is everything, you know, in a child's eyes when they come to school. They may not act like it when they're at school all the time, but when they go home, they let their parents know who is definitely in charge by saying, my teacher said. Another thing that has impressed upon my heart is when parents show that they truly appreciate you. And when they come up to you and say, thank you for the work that you're doing with my child. Thank you for all you do. And they ask you, you know, can you move up to the next grade with my daughter or my son? It's those moments like that that just keeps me going, you know, that lets me know that I am truly doing the work of God 
and I am making a difference, not only in the child's life, but with the parents as well. They notice and they, they know when you care about their child. Isn't that amazing? That's one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about as an educator, as a consultant and a strategist. One of my main things that I tell educators all the time is those relational capacity moments are so very, very important. And so I started teaching way back in the the 90s, of course, I said almost 30 years, and I still have relationship with those children and with those parents. Some of them, when I became a principal, when I moved back to my hometown, I became their children's principal. And so it was really funny to see a second generation. So it is, it's just marvelous. That's what makes us want to keep doing this. And so the day's discussion really is about appreciating educators and for them to understand there is a big why behind what we do. You know, people say that all the time. If you don't have a why, it's hard to do what you do. And so we have a why and we love in, and I can hear the passion in your voice, Crystal, that you actually love what you do. And so we're going to get into some advice for some teachers in a minute, but I want to take you, I want to flip for a minute. So there is another why in your life. Um, And you said you have four boys, you have four whys besides your husband. Um, So talk a little bit about your parenting and especially my new buddy that I got to fall in love with, Mr. (laughs) Chancellor. Parenting is very important to me. Education is very important to me because, like I said, I came from humble beginnings. Um, I was the second person in my family to actually go to college and graduate. I was also the second person in my family to graduate with a master's degree. My aunt, who is in her 60s and died, graduated in the same year with our master's degrees. She happened to graduate before me just because Shaw's graduation was uh, scheduled before Liberty's graduation. So we both shared our graduation party together here um, in Virginia. So it's, it's important for kids to know that no matter what your background is, you may come from, you know, having meager um, things in your life. But if you work hard, if you persevere, and if you are surrounded by the right people, you can do anything that you want in life. There is no limit to what you can do, but it starts from within. And that's what I try to instill within my students. You have to love yourself. You have to believe in yourself because I can believe in you forever and ever and ever. But if you don't believe in yourself, you are impeding your progress. So I always you know, try to instill in them to love yourself, know that you can do anything, you can be anything in life that you want to be, regardless of if you have a classification or not, you are just as important and you can do whatever it is you put your mind to. And so with my boys, you know, with me being an educator, it's just a given that your schoolwork is important. And that is what's going to get you to where you need to be as far as with your future. Yes, you may play sports and all of that, but it is the education, the knowledge that is most powerful in your life. And so take advantage of your learning, take advantage of what the things that you do and who you surround yourselves with so that you can make a difference in this world when your time comes as an adult. Oh, I love that. I love that. I can just put, hang my hat right there. 
<laughs> yeah. So tell us about Chancellor and his phenomenal. First of all, tell tell the audience his age and when he started reading. And again, just not just reading, just being able to be such a scholar. And, and what do you do as a parent to help with that? Okay, Chancellor is my last son. He is four years and pretty much when I was pregnant with him, I started putting headphones on my stomach because they say that, the, you know, the babies in your belly can actually hear what's going on around them. So I really took that to heart and used that for, you know, to his benefit to make sure that learning was taking place, even though he was inside of my womb. So I would do the headphones and Chancellor actually went to school with me, you know, while I was teaching. I taught all the way up through my nine months. He was there with me, listening to the kids, listening to the instruction that was going on. So after he was born, I just immersed him in learning because I know it's important. I know that we have to give them that foundation. So I just took advantage of my cell phone, went up there to free apps because I personally do not pay for apps. I always go for the free ones. <laughs> I am a frugal friend, you know. So I, I went up there and I found learning apps for babies, learning apps for pre-K. I just didn't stop at, you know, just because he was, and I kind of took it up a notch so that if he wanted to play with that app and be exposed to something that may be a little higher than where he was developmentally, that he could still engage in that. And I did that every day. And so once he became a little older where he could navigate on my phone, I would always make sure that he would play any of the fun apps, all of that, even Spanish with him. And so um, I noticed that he began to soak up the information. I, and then just by observing him, I could see that he could identify the letters of the alphabet. And then through further observations and listening to him play, I noticed that he actually knew the sounds of the letters. And that kind of blew my mind. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. He was doing that at almost two years old. He was saying the letters of the alphabet, making the sounds, and then could give you words that began with the actual letter. So I started documenting these things on my cell phone because it was blowing my mind. I'm like, I know this child is not doing this, but he really was. And so through further observations, I found out that he could read words because he was scrolling down the TV on the TV guide and he was reading the names of the shows without the pictures. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So from there, you know, I just gave him books to read. Even they, they have books on application where you know the kids can go and read and so he does that all the time as well and truly the chancellor knowing how to read and read fluently at such a young age is truly a gift from god i am just nurturing him i can't really take credit because he has not had any formal phonics education he just soaks up words upon seeing them or upon hearing them. And that's just truly a blessing from God. But that goes to show how important, and this is something that anybody that's listening, whether they're a parent or a teacher, even administrators, school administrators, to understand the immersion, how important it is 
for children yeah. to be immersed in literacy and to have it everywhere. And so what you just described, uh, my husband and I did uh, with my grandson. He's six years old now, but when mm -hmm. he was a baby, I would play with him. And I did the same thing with my children when they were younger. And Carter's mom was like that. She would pick up easily on stuff. And so she was advanced for her age, but she had an older brother. So she was in competition with him. Carter at nine months could count. He could do wow. that against some other kids couldn't do before he was a year old he was singing the abc song and stuff but that's because we played with him all the time we immersed him again in things now he didn't read as fast he didn't even like to read until just probably this past summer he would do it but it's like huh and now he's <laughs> starting to enjoy reading but one of the things that I try to work with him on is reading the things that he loves to read. And so yeah. for our listening audience, that's so very important to, to captivate them in the stuff that they like, surround them in environments that they love, and then that they will take and run with that. But I had the opportunity to uh, meet Chance by video. And oh my God, if you all could see him, he's just such a little darling. And he is a phenomenal reader. He was reading words that's on a middle school level. I mean, he's just amazing. So Crystal, hats off to you. I know you said you give you know that glory to God, but God actually put him in a family that nurtures that too as well. And so thank you and your family for all that you're doing you know, oh, with you. him and not just him, your other boys that you have too as well. It just sounds like you just love parenting. That's something that exudes you. Yes, because I'm I'm the only child, as I said, said to you earlier, I'm the only child. So it was important to me to have multiple children. So you, I love children. I have always loved children. Like you said, as far as being an educator, it's you are ordained to do it. It's not something that just happens by chance. You are truly ordained to do it. I've been working with children all of my life. I love children. And so it's, it's not a coincidence that I am an educator. So let's flip back to the teacher role and let's talk a little bit about some things that we can share with our teachers. Right now, we know across the country, educators everywhere are stressed. We have parents that are stressed. I have family members that I've seen posting on, on social media about, oh my God, are schools really going to be closed for the remainder of the school year? And some of them are, are really having high anxiety about it. And I can't blame them. You know, this unknown is something else because it's unknown. But one of the things that I've been doing is sharing with people like, we have resources. So I started a Facebook group for educators to kind of come in one place so we can kind of help people out. And I'm quite sure there's other people. I haven't seen any, but I know that idea was not just unique. I know other people bring that too as well. But we do have things for people that's out there. But I want to inspire our teachers, our school leaders right now, because it has to be a weight on your shoulders. I took a sabbatical this year so I could write books. And so I've published four books. Two have actually published. Two are in the workings to come out this year is probably going to be delayed because of this crisis that we're going through right now, but they will come out this year in 2020. I didn't have all of the weight of having to deal with the parents and all of that. And I can imagine, you know, I've been in crisis and I've had that. And so I understand you want to talk a little bit, just give a little bit about what was it like 
understanding or hearing that schools are closing as a, as an educator? It was very shocking because it's like we didn't know what was going to happen. How were we going to be able to provide instruction to our students? We're still working on that as of right now. They the school districts in Virginia all got together. Um, individually and created instructional packets, you know, so that students can start at least be working on some things at home. And that site is goopenva.org. And on that site, um, again, is instructional resources provided by the Virginia School Divisions, where you can go, if you live in the city of Portsmouth, you can go to the Portsmouth link, click on it. They are arranged by grade levels. They even have special education link and all of that. We are still holding IEP meetings. I think this is the first time that we had to come up with a creative way of meeting with parents. So using uh, tele-applications to where we can do conference calls and all of that. We're still working out some kinks. Still, we're trying to create Google Classrooms for the remote learning. We have that going on in the upper grades. And I know that we do have it going on in the elementary level, but it's not as prominent. But we are working to get these things going so that the students can still learn. And I know it's stressful for parents because, you know, the way we may have learned something back in the day is totally different to how we are presenting instruction to our children today. So parents, I just want to let you know that we are here for you. We're all going to work through this together. We have to be the quote unquote village right yes. now during this time and that you are not alone, but parents do not discount yourselves. Know that you are your child's first teacher. Even though we're not in school, learning can still occur. It doesn't have to be as structured all the time at home. You know, you can make learn you you can learn by way of going to the kitchen and cooking together that could be a science lesson that could be a reading lesson that could be a math lesson we have to all just get creative at this time because moving forward the way that we are reaching our students it, it's changing it's changing right now we are creating history right now with what's going on and that's just it's going to change the scope of how we teach our students okay. so and, and that's the part that I'm glad that you just said that. That's so very vital that we need to understand the impact that we have. Yes, this crisis is crazy. Yes, it's, it's unorthodox. It's unprecedented. But the great thing also that comes out of is that we're being innovators. We yes. Really, out of crisis, if you think of all of the things that have happened in the history of the United States, whatever crisis we went through, innovation came out of it. Absolutely. A lot of innovation came out of it. And so that's what we need to see. So I'm glad that you just brought that part up for us, you know, to, to see the bright side of this. Yes, it's horrific. All of this stuff is crazy. The people dying, I am constantly praying for not just our country, but praying for across the world. But yes. at the same same time we have the possibility to really unite we have the possibility to do some great innovations yes and so you just said something earlier I want to bring and wrap back around and conclude on this you said earlier about children need to believe in themselves and they need to know that they can be anything uh, that they can be even if yes. they're in special education and they receive special services it does not matter 
You made me think when you said that of Les Brown. I love Les Brown. He's one of my go-to people that I listen to for motivation and everything. And Les is absolutely wonderful when he tells his story about how he was labeled educationally, mentally retarded. That's what they used to call it before they called it cognitively impaired. And so mm -hmm. he was, as a young kid, he was a twin. And they told him, well, he's the one, He basically he's a dumb twin is what they used to say. And wow. to see this man now on platforms with hundreds of thousands of people to have a million dollar industry and to speak in front of some of the greatest leaders in the world. But he was told he couldn't do that. And wow. so I want you to just expound on that, Crystal. You know, I hear it every time I talk to you or every time I see you out on a social media platform. Phenomenal, just your passion, just your outlook on education. I want you to come back and wrap that back around for teachers. For us to remember that we are great. We are great. Yeah. Not putting ourselves on a pedestal, but for us to realize how valuable we are to society and how right now is a good time for us to be exhorters. So I want you to have the last word and exhort us on out of here. You know, <laughs> talk about that believing in yourself. Believing in yourself is everything. It is everything. Because like I said, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't know where you could be in life. You don't know what you could do in life. And so being a special educator, it's important to me again, and um, just recently, last year, I kind of went through something in my life. And um, the year 2019 was a very difficult year for me. And I endured many health issues. One being at the age of 39, suffering a pulmonary embolism. For those who are not familiar with that, that is when you have blood clots in your lungs. And so I was hospitalized for three days for that. But prior to that, I was dealing with chronic vertigo and I still deal with that to this day. So I myself am now disabled. And so, um, but I am getting through, I am persevering through and I am, I am healthy. I am doing a whole lot better than I was last year. And you know, as teachers, we teach the students many things, but guess what? They teach us so much more as well. I have some letters that I just want to read because, you know, I, I, I took them out when I was going through my illness and, and read them and then kind of put them away, you know, trying to deal with myself, trying to work on myself to build myself up, you know so that I could go back to school because I could not teach from January, the end of January. I didn't go back to work until September 2019. But it was the letters from the babies and I kept in contact with them. I would call them and talk to them over the phone so that they could know that I'm doing okay because they were worried about me. When I got enough strength in June, to go and visit them, it was just beautiful because they all hugged me, they cried, they made me cry. And I'm like, why are y'all crying? What, what's going on? They said, because we miss you, we love you, and we didn't think that we would see you again. And that just melted my heart, you know, because I fought so hard to be able to get back to the children because it's important to me. I love them, they're my extended family, they are my children when they are away from home. And that's how I look at it. 
you know, when I teach them. So I'm just going to read you a couple of things okay. um, that the students wrote me while I was away sick. It says, Dear Mrs. Rice, I miss you so much. I'm happy that you're getting better. And I pray for you every night and day. I hope you will come back next year and I will keep you in my prayers. Another one says, Dear Mrs. Rice, I love you and we miss you so much. And then all of the students signed it. The last one says, we are happy for you to be back. We all miss you and a lot of kids signed it. And, um, oh, I have one more, I'm sorry. It says, Dear Mrs. Rice, I am so happy to see you again. There were days where I thought I would never see you again, but I kept hope and here you are. There were days where we were like, remember one day Miss Rice did this and said that? I'm so happy to see you again. We all love you and miss you. P.S. Get well soon. And those letters just blessed my heart and it just reiterated the importance of why I do what I do. Education is so much more than just reading, writing, and math. It's about loving and nurturing and just being the true humans that we are, good humans yes, that we are. Yes, I agree. Yes. Oh my God, that puts such a smile on my face. <laughs> I know it put a smile on your face because yeah. I'm living vicariously through those letters right now. And that's the part that I've missed that I've been on my sabbatical. I'm loving writing my books, but I miss so much of uh, the children. And to stay connected, it just makes such uh, good sense. But oh my God, that just truly, truly blessed. So I hope that blessed our audience. We so appreciate your time today. We appreciate you being on and just giving us just an insight on how to look up and understand that we're ordained educators. Like you yeah. said earlier, this is not by chance. This is destiny that we do this. And when we see the bigger picture, it's going to be greater. Well, do you yeah. have anything else you want to tell our listening audience? Um, yes, I do. I just want to encourage each and every one of you listeners, parents, teachers, administrators, everyone, that although we are going through troubling times, this too shall pass. Let's band together and love on one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's be compassionate. Let's do what we need to do to get through this and just know that better days are ahead. I just wanted to leave off with a quote from the great Frederick Douglass. He said, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. So right now we are in a struggle, but guess what? We will progress. Education is forever changing right before our eyes and that is gonna be for a good thing. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, happy Teacher Appreciation Week or Education Appreciation Week to all those out there that serve our children in any form or fashion that you're educating. So whether you're someone that works in a school district or you are at home teaching and educating, thank you so much for all that you do. And remember, coach me and I will learn. Challenge me and I will grow. Believe in me and I will win. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast and we'd love your comments and feedback. Our information is listed in our show notes. This podcast episode was brought to you by Ubuntu Press. You can find out more at www.ubuntupress.org. 
Ubuntu means I am because we are.